0: Is anybody alive out there? Keep checking, keep checking. Is anybody alive out there? And we are back.
1: Week number two of the Sports Buzz coming your way as Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu join you for hard-hitting, passionate sports talk you won't find anywhere else. Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto, and we welcome you all to this edition of the sports buzz as we live stream the broadcast on clubhouse and we make it available for podcast playback through all podcast platforms whether that's apple podcast whether that's google or whether that's spotify we're there for you every single chance we can be and listen folks If you're an NFL football fan, you're excited that the sport started. You're excited that in the New York metro area that the New York Giants are 1-0. You're excited that it's finally here and there's something to watch. But I wasn't excited yesterday. I wasn't excited yesterday because the NFL decided to give us a Thursday night broadcast on Amazon. I wasn't excited yesterday because the NFL wanted me to pay $8.99 a month to watch their streaming service so Al Michaels who is calling the game can sit there with Curb Herb Street and wax poetic about what a fantastic broadcast it is when there's nothing but glitches on the streaming service. $8.99 a month to stream a football game for Thursday night when this is a sport that plays once a week. This is the biggest sport in all of them. It's bigger than baseball. It's bigger than basketball. It far surpasses hockey. It is the king of all professional sports, and I understand it's money-making. I get the idea that Roger Goodell thinks that this 10-year stint is going to be fascinating for the NFL because they're on the digital space like MLB is on Apple TV or Peacock with Friday Night Baseball. I get that. But the idea that the hardcore sports fan who busts his tuchus day in and day out to put food on the table with a troubling economy, with gas over $3 a gallon, you're going to go out there and tell the consumer that they need to pay to watch your service to enjoy a football game? And the only way you could watch it on TV is if you were in the California LA area for the Chargers market, or if you were in the Missouri-Kansas City area for the Kansas City market, those are the only two markets where Amazon gave a feed for the local television outlet to air the game, yet the hardcore sports fan living in the biggest market of all can't watch the game? I got the Mets a game up in the division, I'm worried sick that the Braves are going to capture the division. I'm a pissed-off sports fan, I'm angry, I'm annoyed, and all I want to do is come home from work on a Thursday night and watch the NFL. And I couldn't even go to the game. I had to watch the highlights this morning to get a sense of what went on so I could come to the air tonight and dissect the football game for you. You gotta be kidding me. And how do you think my co-host Andy feels, who's joining us remotely tonight, who's a hardcore sports fan, who's a diehard Eagle fan, who loves the NFL, who's gone out there and watched eons and decades of games, his entire lifespan that he's been on this earth. How do you think he feels tonight? Because I know he's probably not happy about it. Andy.
0: Oh, I certainly am not. And uh, this is a guy who's watched every minute of every Super Bowl since uh, that first Green Bay Kansas City won in January of 1967. I mean, I'm like the uh, demographic of the older uh, NFL fan. Yeah, it's terrible that uh, you have to subscribe to some uh, stinking uh, Internet service uh, to get these Thursday night games. Well, when the day comes when playoff games and Super Bowl games are handled this way, then that's what I'm done as a football fan. <laughs> yeah, but when
1: baseball started it this past season, Andy, they started it trying to tell us that they're looking for a younger demographic, that they're looking for the late 20-year-old, early 30-year-old who wants to go out there and watch the game but be on his device and be able to watch it on his device on his iPhone or iPad or computer. The NFL started it, too, because they feel it's the trendy way of going about business these days. And the idea that an old school sports fan like you or a hardcore sports fan like me has to miss a game because they want us to pay $8.99 a month or get this, a yearly subscription of $139. It is just crazy, especially when we're in an economy that isn't right right now. Things are not going well in this country with the economy. Gas prices are through the roof. Groceries and Food products are astronomically expensive and the NFL, which is a money maker, billions and billions of dollars a year it makes, is going to go out there and have the passionate fan who buys the tickets, who puts the fannies in the seats, who goes to the stadiums every Sunday for 17 consecutive games, they're going to sit there and tell the fan, well, you know what? You may be a hardcore giant fan, but if the Eagles are playing the Rams, we're not going to give you the game in your market. We're only going to let Philadelphia watch it, and LA watch it, that's tough to digest, especially with the NFL, Andy, it's once a week, it's the biggest sport of them all, it's a huge, huge fantasy product and gambling product for many sports junkies out there, and the idea that on a Thursday, after you work all day and want to come home and relax at night, you can't go to the television set, because you got to stream it? And I understand that there's some perks to streaming it. Maybe the commercials aren't that long. Maybe you can rewind and fast forward. Maybe you can record the game and watch it at a later time with all of the technology and everything. But give me a break. This is going to hurt the sport, Andy, long term. It really is. And I'm afraid that more and more of these outlets now... Digital properties are going to go and make big deals with a lot of these big leagues, the NBA, the NFL, the MLS, the NHL, and they're going to try and garner more and more attention to their digital outlet, and it's really going to take away from the old-school approach to what was enjoyable day in and day out, and that was relying on the television set to watch your respective sports team that you enjoy on a daily basis.
0: Well, it's the Gordon Gecko philosophy that's out there. Greed is good. I mean, I look at it. Uh, the NFL has plenty of money. They're not hurting for money, and uh, <laughs> you know, to to do this uh, to rip off the fans, uh, it's just a shame. Because especially football, you know, football uh, has. It's like the ideal sport for TV, and people watch. More games than just their home team because it is the once a week sport, and whether they admit it or not, uh, the NFL has encouraged people to bet on their game. <laughs> Absolutely,
1: and, uh, Andy, but it isn't more even more
0: prevalent lately than ever.
1: It isn't even like we're talking about a bad matchup here. We're talking about Chargers Chiefs, a huge rivalry with two fantastic quarterbacks Mahomes against Herbert. We're talking about a clash of two titans in the AFC West. We're talking about must-watch television on a Thursday night. And I get people were bitching left and right when the games were on NFL Network and if you had Comcast you probably couldn't find it. If you had Verizon Fios it was in the uh, 500 range of the television TV guide when you were looking for the channel I understand that different television outlets some of them didn't even get NFL Network but you know what Andy I could go to my television set and I could watch the game it was being offered to me on television. That's the difference. Okay, maybe not everybody got NFL Network but I knew that it was on TV somewhere and now you're going to also have to wonder how this is going to booster the radio feed for the game because a lot of these people who can't watch football on their TVs Thursday night out of market are going to have to go to the Westwood One radio feed to listen to the game to get any chance of what's going on in the action on the field.
0: And, you know, it's funny you talk about how people have attachments to teams other than their own favorite team, like me, for instance, as an Eagles fan. Uh, I've enjoyed watching the Kansas City Chiefs the last few years because Andy Reid is the coach. I always liked Andy Reid, and I'm always happy to see him uh, win games and be successful. And, you know, the Chiefs are a team I've liked watching. Until last night, I haven't missed a Chiefs game for a long time. And, you know, fans have uh, different – look at all the people in this country who are Dallas Cowboys fans who buy into that America's team garbage – Uh, and you meet people everywhere. I'm a Cowboys fan. Oh, did you ever live in Dallas? No, but but I'm a Cowboys fan. They're America's team. Yeah, I love
1: the blue star on the helmet. I love the Tony Romo jersey. I love the Troy (laughs) Aikman-Emmett Smith days. I've never been to a game. I've only watched a few when they've been on my television locally because I don't have the NFL package, but I'm a diehard Cowboy fan. Yet they couldn't probably tell you who the backup defensive end is on the team.
0: The funny thing is, uh, you'll hear some screaming Dallas Cowboys fans when they come up for a uh, for a streaming service only game. But Andy, <laughs> they if have you're a big national audience,
1: if you're the NFL and you look at the Sunday night game this past week between the Cowboys and Buccaneers, which was a boar fest in many ways, if you're a Dallas fan, you had about 25 million watch that game on NBC Sunday night with Tarico and Collinsworth. Monday night the debut of Buck and Aikman on ESPN, Russell Wilson returning to Seattle to take on his former coach, Pete Carroll. You had over... That was nine-
0: quite a game. It was. Yeah, it was some game. You yeah. had
1: over 19 million people pay attention to that football game and watch it on their respective television sets that night. How can the NFL sit there after looking at those numbers and think that this Amazon Prime situation is going to work out long-term? How do you sign a 10-year deal? I get there's money involved. I get there's a ton of sponsorships involved. I get that. But do you think Al Michaels... The class guy that he has been calling this sport for decades now is going to be thrilled on December 22nd, a Thursday night, four nights before the Christmas holiday, to sit there and call Jets Jaguars at MetLife Stadium when the Jets have three wins under their belts and the Jaguars are still trying to figure out if Lawrence is the right quarterback to lead their team? Are you kidding me? This is what Al Michael signed up for. He left NBC and Chris
0: Collinsworth
1: to sign up for Amazon and 70% of the country can't see him unless you have a subscription.
0: Yeah, it stinks.
1: I'll tell the you, Andy, stinks. this is going to hurt the sport long term. And it didn't go well with baseball this year. But the difference in baseball is you have other games to watch. You have other avenues to go to for your baseball game. Baseball is much more interesting sometimes on the radio hearing it than physically watching it on your television set. Plus, if you don't get your Met game on a Friday night or your Yankee game on a Friday night, you know it's there Saturday. You know it's there Sunday. You know it's there the rest of the week. They're taking one game away from you for a week. The NFL is different. I mean, if you're a Chief fan that doesn't live in Kansas City or Los Angeles where the game was being carried in your market, you're out of luck if you don't have an Amazon subscription.
0: And you know what I can add to this, uh, too, is uh, I've taught uh, mass media classes uh, to young uh, students, mostly college freshmen, uh, take uh, that mass media class. And uh, I've had them keep a media journal, uh, just to keep track of what they watch, uh, what they listen to, uh, just to see uh, if there's any consensus in the class as to what's popular and why and all that. And I've always been surprised at how much TV they watch. Just when, you know, when you hear these people saying TV isn't cool anymore and radio isn't cool anymore, but at least uh, the students in my classes, according to their media journals, they're watching TV plenty. You know, I don't think the NFL really uh, has thought all this thing through here yet.
1: No, Andy, and... You know, it just aggravated me. It really did. And, you know, listen, the idea now that I need to get excited for the Jets to play on December 22nd when I can watch the Amazon game on television against the Jacksonville Jaguars leaves a lot to be desired as far as I'm concerned. And you know what? For the hardcore sports fan out there, I feel really bad that we didn't have anything to latch on to last night. Unless you're a baseball fan. You had your Mets. You had your Yankees. You, you got to immerse yourself in some baseball. And speaking of baseball, Andy, the Phillies lead the Braves 2-1 to in a huge weekend series in the bottom yeah. of the seventh inning.
0: Yeah, I see that up here on MLB.com. That's, uh, that's nice. I hope, uh, hope uh, Robertson can hold this one. <laughs> The Mets fans are rooting for the Phillies there.
1: Yankees trying to clinch the division soon. They have a 5-3 lead over the Milwaukee Brewers in the top of the fourth inning as we see some interleague play take place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
0: The Phillies are trying to hold off Milwaukee to get that playoff spot. And the
1: New York Mets continue their must-win situation from here on out. They lead the Pirates 4-3 in the top of the ninth as Diaz tries to close it out. One man on and nobody out as Diaz tries to get the save against the Pittsburgh Pirates team who's playing feisty tonight. And for the New York Mets, every win matters the rest of the way as the Met fan is starting to panic. The Met fan is a little frantic. The Met fan is a little timid of the Atlanta Braves right now. We are in a very close, close race here in the National League East, and it's all, in my opinion, going to come down. To that second-to-last series at True East Park in Atlanta between the Mets and Braves, that ultimately is going to determine the division. You're listening to the Sports Buzz with Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu. passionate sports talk for the hardcore fans. SportsBuzzShow1 at Gmail.com, show the number one at Gmail.com. You can reach out to me any thoughts, feelings, or opinions that you may have on what's happening in the world of sports, or any questions or thoughts about the podcast or what we can do to enhance it, please feel free to reach out. Also, we're live streaming on Clubhouse. This very program that you're currently listening to on Clubhouse aired on 91.9 WNTI-FM in Hackettstown from 2006 to 2010 on an FM powerhouse station, and I reached out to Andy about a month ago, and said, We got to get the band back together again. Why don't we go recreate some magic? And he says, You know what? I'm a sports junkie, I'm a diehard sports fan. I'm in the mood to do that. Well, we'll come back, and we will continue to do what we do best, and that's chat about what's happening in the world of sports. We'll talk some Jets. We'll talk some Giants. We have a plethora of stuff to go over in the course of this evening, and we also want to hear from you on Clubhouse. You want to chime in? Raise your hand. I'll bring you up to the stage, and you can ask me and Andy Loigu whatever question you want about what's happening in the world of sports. Back after this. Chris Domine is a husband and a
2: father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing.
3: Basically, the doctor said if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die.
2: Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor.
3: You know, your well being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead.
2: More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors, people of every age and ethnicity, because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the US Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.
1: And welcome back to the Sports Buzz. Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu coming to you live here on Clubhouse and available for podcast playback through... Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts, Sports Buzz Show the number one at gmail.com, Sports Buzz Show the number one at gmail.com, as we're here to give you hard hitting, thought provoking sports talk you won't find anywhere else. And our daily motto is passionate sports talk. For the hardcore fan and all you sports junkies out there, the NFL season has finally began. We are now in week 2, which officially began last night on the Amazon digital streaming service between the Kansas City Chiefs and L.A. Chargers, and we'll quickly look at this game before we backtrack to what happened last week in Week 1. And when you look at this game, Andy, it was basically a tale of two quarterbacks. It was Herbert going up against Mahomes. It was a game where you felt like the Chargers were in control most of the game, and then a big interception in the fourth quarter that the Chiefs took back for 99 yards really gave the Chiefs the momentum and garnered them a big win and sent them to 2-0 and on this season. And right now, Andy Reid... Patrick Mahomes and what we've seen out of the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West and with Andy Reid's experience, they are definitely going to be a tough out for teams like the Raiders, the Broncos, or even the Chargers the rest of the way.
0: Uh, Mahomes is more experienced too. He's, He's just approaching the real peak of his career. And uh, they've got the great tight end, they've got the good defense and special teams, Uh, they're a very complete package, the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: They really are, and they're always prepared, and we know that Andy Reid has some flaws with late game situations, and clock management, and timeouts, and stuff like that, but when you look at what he's done with this team, and you look at all the success he's had, and really what... A catalyst Mahomes has been as the leader of this team week in and week out and the gutsy play and the big playability and the fast agility on the football field and just the way this team goes about their business for 60 consecutive minutes week in and week out really should alarm anybody getting ready to play them this season because we talked all year about the AFC West being a very tough division, and I get we're only through one week of the season, but you know what? Watching this Kansas City team, I mean, they threw up 44 points against a Cardinals team that did not look at all prepared to get ready for what they were facing with Mahomes in and that offense. And then they go out there and they play a chargers team who really dominated and should have won the game. They were the better team in the game and they find a way to claw themselves back in the game. And they get a big win late to send them to two and Oh, and give them momentum. Now going into week three, making it tougher now for the division foes in their division.
0: Well, you know, coaches get better over the years. Now, players are like a bar of soap. Uh, they wear down with repeated use. You know, they break down physically. They may not be at their peak after 10 years. But coaches, you know, they're like office professionals. Uh, they're they're not out there getting hurt. They're using their brains. And with experience, they get better and better. And, uh, you know, sometimes teams are uh, too quick to give up on coaches. Like, but uh, still irks me that uh, the Eagles gave up on Reed the way they did after all the playoff games he'd won, all the all the times that he got there, you know, that he was in a position to win uh, you know, all the NFC Championship games, and he did get to the Super Bowl with the Eagles, and uh, I thought uh, he got done wrong, and I'm glad that he proved he can win the big one with the Chiefs, and he may not be done yet.
1: Absolutely, Andy, and you know what? Listen, the Kansas City fan isn't annoyed that Andy Reed was... Uh ousted think, in Philadelphia I, because he's gone I there. It was
0: the very day that the Eagles let him go, the Chiefs signed him. Yeah. I mean, uh, one minute you hear that Andy Reid got fired, and then the next minute, oh, he got hired by Kansas City. And Just the Chiefs that, like that quick.
1: The Chiefs fans exhaled easily because after the Dick Vermeil era there, things were downhill for a while in Chiefs kingdom, and you needed a guy like Andy Reid to come in and – Changed the tone a little bit and he's done that and then some with a star quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, a great run game with Edwards Alaire, and now you add Valdez Scandling who came over from Green Bay and and you add Smith Schuster from the Steelers who came over in the offseason. Those guys, yeah, a, a lot of people
0: front office work too yeah. there, yeah. A lot front of people combined with coaching on the field. A
1: lot of people thought when they lost Hill that all of a sudden the Chiefs were gonna be somewhat of a worse team than what they've been and they've proved that guys like Valdez Scanling and Smith Schuster with Kelsey as your big tight end in the middle there can step up when it matters the most and bring their experience and they really haven't lost a beat in their step since uh, the AFC championship game last year
0: the NFL is uh, constructed for parity I mean uh, uh, their player acquisition and retention rules Uh, are all designed to uh, punish teams that are successful for a few years. And uh, nobody's able to hold on to all the players they would want, you know, because you have these uh, salary capped and, uh, uh, you know, all that sort of business. So nobody's ever able to keep a a complete team together, at least not the team they want. You know, so you're going to lose players here and there. But, uh, you know, the good teams, uh, they know how to – make the most out of what they have and they still are managed to make some shrewd moves you know within the salary cap and all that business uh so you, it is amazing how some teams stay up there even though the rules when you really look at it are are meant to bring the bad teams up and drag the good teams down
1: couldn't agree with you more andy and speaking of nfl football if you're a new york football fan You had an exciting week as a Giant fan, but you had a depressing week if you were a Jet fan because if you want to talk about Joe Flacco being a veteran quarterback and if you want to talk about Joe Flacco and all the experience he had with the Ravens and the one Super Bowl appearance and everything he did in Baltimore, well, you know what? He did not show up in week one for the New York Jets as the Jets were... Stymied by the Ravens 24 to 9, and this game was really controlled by the Ravens' aggressive blitzing and defense, but it was also controlled by the big throwing ability that Lamar Jackson had downfield. And one of the surprising things to me, when you looked at this football game from this past Sunday, Andy, was I talked last week on this very show, The Sports Buzz, how it was going to be about the ground game for the Ravens, how it was going to be about taming Lamar Jackson, getting him out of his comfort zone, trying to sack him, trying to put pressure on him and force him to run the ball and and not let him gain a lot of yardage on the ground. Well, we didn't see a ton of ground yardage by the Ravens in this game. We saw a lot of throws by the Ravens in this game, and we saw the Ravens go out there and be a dominant team, and it was just too much for the Jets to handle. And if you're a Jet fan now... You know Wilson is probably going to hopefully come back in week four, but Lamar Jackson was 17 of 30, 230 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, so those are pretty good numbers for week one in the NFL. And then Flacco was 37 of 59. He had 309 yards and one touchdown, but he just didn't seem like He was on par with what the Jets were looking to do in this game, and there was a lack of communication. There was a lack of concentration between him and the head coaches, and the offense just really did not show up and was readily prepared to play the Baltimore Ravens in Week 1. And with the Jets now, they're going to head on the road. They're going to go to Cleveland for Week 2. They're going to take on a Browns team who came off of a big win this past Sunday. And they're going to take on a Browns team who, as you said last week, can run the football, have a great ground game, and they got a decent quarterback. Not a great quarterback, but Jacoby Brissett can get the job done when you need him to. He's had that veteran leadership prior. He's from the Belichick family, so anybody that comes from the— Belichick family you know is going to go out there and understand the game in some capacity, but if you're a New York Jet fan right now, it's same old, same old as you get ready for week two in the NFL.
0: You know what Flacco never needed to do when he played for the Ravens? What? He never needed to go up against the Ravens' defense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely right, Andy. And listen... And, and you know,
0: it's funny, you talk about Lamar Jackson, you know where the Ravens drafted him? He was the 32nd pick. And, uh, you know, the Ravens have been like this. They never draft real high, you know, talking about parity before, and they've never gone and made panic trades to try to move up in the draft, you know, give up a lot for a number one or two pick. They stay where they are, but they always seem to pick the best player to fit their system, and they always have a great offensive line. I mean, the Ravens have picked the centers in the first round. I mean, positions that nobody else picks just because they're getting the best center in the draft. Or the best guard in the draft, you know they have a different approach to drafting uh and they always end up with solid players uh, who other teams missed on because they're focused on the quarterbacks and wide receivers
1: and they have an experienced head coach and john Harbaugh who's been around the league for an extremely long time, who's had this Ravens team in the thick of it, year in and year out, season after season. And yes, it's very hard to get to a Super Bowl, but when you make the postseason every other year practically when you're a head coach in this league that says something about what you've done to stamp your name on that specific franchise and John Harbaugh has done a lot for this Baltimore Ravens team and he's definitely made them an exciting watch and Lamar Jackson is an exciting player and I've always felt he didn't have the big play ability I always feel like he's more of a dink and dunk type of quarterback but they changed their offense up a little bit last week against the Jets and he made some big plays downfield that were actually fun plays to watch and those big plays are what really took the Jets out of the football game.
0: Yeah, well, Lamar Jackson, he's hes improved his throwing and uh, once you establish the run the way the Ravens do establish it, it opens things up for you. You know, uh, it's the old uh, establish the run and then pass although there are some teams that also do a good job of establishing the pass and then running. (laughs) The Dallas Cowboys used to do that with Aikman and Emmitt Smith. But, uh, you know, everybody's got to have both uh, a good passing game and a ground game if you're going to really get anywhere.
1: And you have to wonder ultimately too when Wilson comes back what he's going to bring to the table for the New York Jets as the starting quarterback for this team. Joe Douglas seems to think that Wilson was the right pick when they took him in the draft. He seems to think that he's the right quarterback to lead this team now and it hasn't worked out for the Jets. We've seen Wilson have some good games. We saw the Jets sort of become a more exciting watch in the middle of last season and was a little bit more of a fundamentally sound team and then I understand it's only one game but they gotta go to Cleveland and take on the Browns this week then they're home on the 25th to the Bengals then they go to Pittsburgh and take on a tough Steelers team led by Mike Tomlin who's always readily prepared and then they gotta play the Dolphins and then they go to Green Bay and take on the Packers and then they go to Denver the week after that so if you're a Jet fan you are panicking with those next six games schedule wise.
0: Oh, by the way, what what Lamar Jackson's uh answer to a good trivia question you may ask people in the future. Uh Lamar Jackson is the youngest player to ever start an NFL playoff game. He was twenty one. He's uh he's the answer to a good trivia question there.
1: Yes, and I remember the days on WNTI when we used to give out trivia prizes every week and we had some key sponsors that used to be underwriters to our very program called the sports buzz. And we gave out some fun prizes and we got the fans involved. And hopefully down the road, we can bring that to the digital space here on clubhouse and offer our audience a chance to get involved in this daily sports talk program. And if you're a New York giant fan, you kicked off week one with a new regime in town as Brian Dable made his head coaching debut. And you know what? For the first three quarters of this game, if you were a Giant fan, you felt like you were going to wake up Monday morning a little depressed that your team couldn't find a way to go out on the road and win a big game against the Tennessee Titans team. But the Giants defense was able to tame the Titan ground game. They held Henry to 85 yards and basically... The thing that changed the entire game was the Giants rallying from 13 down, getting a touchdown in the fourth quarter late, but then Brian Dable decides to go for the two-point conversion, which the Giants end up getting, and ends up becoming a hero at a very early stage of his coaching career here in the New York metro area. As you saw a culture change, you saw a coach that had some guts, you saw a coach that went out there and said, I'm doing things my way. You sort of felt like Tom Coughlin was back on the sideline coaching the New York football Giants when the Giants ended up winning this Game in the fourth quarter, and we could blame the 47-yard field goal that was missed by Bullock as time expired in the game for the Tennessee Titans. That was a big miss by Bullock, 47 yards out, which could have sealed them the win for Mike Vrabel and company. But the Giants did what they had to do. They fought hard. They rallied back. Their defense played well. Daniel Jones was okay, wasn't great. Saquon Barkley showed you some ability. He had 164 yards on the ground, 18 carries. He made a
0: difference in the game.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, 18 carries, 68 yards was his longest in the game. And basically, you put the ball in Barkley's hand, and he rode the team to victory along with... Brian Dable and the two-point conversion success in the fourth quarter to send the Giants to 1-0 and as they get ready for their home opener against Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers in a game where if you're Matt Rule and this Carolina team you are very, very concerned as you have new ownership there and you're walking on eggshells regarding your job security because things have not gone well in Charlotte, North Carolina for the Panthers and you brought Baker 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 Mayfield in to try and tame the fire a little bit. And so far that didn't happen as the Panthers lost last week, they went to 0-1 and now they play a Giants team who's coming in with some momentum, who's coming in on a high with a big upset victory in Tennessee and they're going against the Giants team who always seems to play well on opening day at MetLife Stadium and then find a way to lose the rest of the way down the stretch so this is a big game for both teams but it's bigger for the Panthers
0: well the Giants have to have some tough guys on that defense to uh, stop Tennessee's running game the way they did because Tennessee had the Giants right where they wanted them they had the lead and normally what they do is pound it on the ground eat up clock and, and salt the game away but the Giants didn't let them do that and by making stops they got the ball back and they were able to score and come from behind. It was uh, not the kind of uh, thing I envisioned the Giants doing. And give them credit, you know, their, their defense actually turned that game around. And then they had Saquon Bar- Barkley, uh, Shades of his rookie season, you know, and that guy's healthy. He is a powerful running back.
1: Took you back to his rookie year, and it took you back to his Penn State days when he was a catalyst for many key Penn State victories back in the day when he was a Nittany Lion.
0: Yeah, he he was a good one. He was one of the Penn State all-time backs. And he, when you look right at that, there with Franco Harris.
1: And when you look at that game, Andy, you know we had Paul Detino, the giant beat writer for WFAN Sports Radio 66. Oh, he was
0: spot on with his comments. Yes, about what they've been doing. He covered.
1: Now. He's covered the team now for 40 years, and everything he said on our show last Friday night. Proved dividend in this game On Sunday against the Tennessee Titans So he gave us some Very, very pertinent information About this team And we saw some of it click this past Sunday in Tennessee
0: You know, one thing about the film study When these offensive and defensive coordinators uh, Prepare their teams uh, They look for tendencies What's a team likely to do in this situation That situation But a defense like what the Giants have put in it's unpredictable. <laughs> I mean, I think they'll be very careful about falling into any tendencies. They're all predicated on the Dolphins the, the is not going to know what we're going to do next, and they're going to get all scrambled in their thinking as to how to play us.
1: Listen, Andy, it's only one game. I was excited for the victory, but I've seen so many inconsistencies with this franchise over the years since Tom Coughlin left that you don't want to get overexcited. And you know what? Listen, the Giants have gotten many big wins over the last several years, and then they've come out the next week, and they've looked flat. They don't gel nicely together. They don't seem like they're playing as a team or fundamentally sound after a big win. We have to hope that with the gutsiness that Dable had in the first game on Sunday, we have to hope that that carries over into this weekend because the Giants can't go out there and throw up a dud this Sunday against the Carolina Panthers because you'll be back to square one when it comes to analyzing and dissecting this team.
0: It'll be an interesting game. Well, at least uh, the the Giants do look to me like uh, they're going to be possibly a contender in that division, especially considering the problems uh, Dallas is having starting out the season. You know, the Giants may be right in the thick of it. And, you know, that's been a division where, you know, it hasn't taken a lot of wins to win the division anyway. I think the Eagles won it last year with nine wins. And it uh, seems like the last few years it's been a scramble with, teams that are all hovering around 7-7 seven and seven, still having a shot at winning that division. So uh, the Giants uh, have an opportunity ahead of them here.
1: And speaking of the Eagles, Andy, they had a very big win Sunday afternoon in Detroit. And you know what? Listen, I understand the Lions have been a bad team for a long time now, but I got to tell you, they played hard for... Their head coach, Dan Campbell, they went out there. They were gutsy. They were feisty. They kept after
0: it. They, <laughs> they did. But
1: it. the bottom line was the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, they were just clicking on all cylinders in this game. His ground game, his speed, the running game, the long throws downfield, the different packages, the offensive schemes that the defense couldn't handle. I mean, the Eagles just looked like a fine-tuned machine in this football game. And you got to give it up to Jalen Hurts because he's entering his second year. And a lot of people were high on the Eagles in preseason and felt that they could be a, a definite thorn in the NFC East for opposing teams. And so far, if you're an Eagles fan, which you are, you've liked what you've seen in week one from this team with what head coach Sirianni's put in place for this franchise.
0: Well, you know, Hertz gained 90 yards escaping blitzes. <laughs> he had about 17 carries, I counted, that were really just run-for-your-life plays, and he turned them into big games. He kind of was looking like Lamar Jackson on a few of those plays. But, uh, yeah, they, he does have some some really good guys to throw to, and, especially the big three there with uh, Smith and Goddard.
1: And when you look at it, he didn't have any touchdown passes. It basically was the run game that won the game for the Eagles on Sunday.
0: Yeah. Well, that's just that, you know, when you have threats that the defense has to, uh, I'll give you a good example from the real old, old days um, when the Jets actually won a Super Bowl. I'm actually old enough to remember watching the Jets win a Super Bowl. And they were a big underdog. But uh, the Jets with Joe Namath, the quarterback, everybody worried about Don Maynard. Don Maynard was a great receiver, scoring touchdowns all season, long bombs. And and the Colts on defense, they were uh, overplaying on Maynard the whole game because he was the big threat. But Namath was a smart enough quarterback. that He threw check downs. He threw to the other receivers, and he used the ground game. And the Jets won a low-scoring 16-7 to game because uh, Matt Snell... Scored a touchdown on the ground and Emerson Boozer pounded out some first downs. And, you know, again, it was that threat of Don Maynard, the deep threat that opened up the defense for, for Namath to do other things. And, and that's the way it goes in many an NFL game.
1: So were you surprised, though, Andy, with what you saw out of this Eagles team against the Lions this
0: past Sunday? I'm surprised he almost blew the lead. (laughs) And this goes to the preseason games. You know, that defense looked like it was running out of gas in the fourth quarter there. And, uh, you know, the way they play these preseason games are like starters hardly play at all. And they say, well, they work hard. They're doing their work in practice. But there's something to be said for uh, just building up your stamina. And uh, the Eagles didn't seem to have that stamina in the fourth quarter. I mean, Detroit had them on their heels. And uh, Detroit very nearly came back and won that ballgame. That would have been awful to uh, blow the, as big a lead as the Eagles had. So, uh, a mixed blessing. You're happy for the win, and you're happy that the offense got a lot of yards and a lot of points. But uh, right now, I'm worried about their stamina. Hopefully, that won't be an issue in the future, that these guys will keep working hard and build up that uh that endurance that you need in an NFL game.
1: Well, if you're a Phillies fan, Andy, you should be worried a little bit as the Braves have a 3-2 to two lead in the bottom of the 8th. They took the lead over the Phillies in the bottom of the 8th at True East Park in Atlanta. Dominguez is pitching, and Darneau is at the plate. Five hits for the Phillies. Four for the Braves in what is a big series. I think you're comfortable though, knowing that the Phillies are going to make the postseason. It's bigger for the Braves because they're trying to capture the division.
0: Yeah, there's an advantage to winning the division. You get home field and you get a first-round bye. You know, you actually can set up your uh, pitching rotation.
1: Bottom of the uh, fourth. Take
0: what you can get.
1: Bottom of the fourth, Yankees are having their issues with the Milwaukee Brewers as the brew crew tied things up as they're knotted at five apiece in the bottom of the fourth inning.
0: Well, you know, it makes the Yankees games interesting for me. Uh, You know, the milestone thing, uh, Aaron Judge, who uh, I remember seeing him as a double-A player playing with uh, Trenton Thunder. I tend to like players who I see in the minor leagues. I like to follow their careers. And, uh, you know, it seems like The Yankees, for all the money they've spent on free agents and everything, uh, who are their stars? Jeter, Judge, uh, Bernie Williams. You look at the cores of the Yankee teams that win, uh, they've been homegrown. And then, of course, uh, the free agents, uh, you know, just add to the uh, embarrassment of riches, I guess you could say. But uh, I'm actually rooting for uh, Judge to, to break that record.
1: What's more significant to you, though, Andy? Judge breaking Maris's record or Albert Pujols going for 700?
0: Oh, they're both big, yeah. Albert Pujols at his age, and uh, since uh, there's only a select few who have reached 700, I think we are going to see both. I mean, Pujols needs playing time, though. You know, the Cardinals are, are in a race, although they're in pretty good shape. You know, they're, they're going for a division title, too. Uh, but they do have the DH in the National League, and I think, Pujols merits uh, as many bats as they can give him. And uh, he's only a few home runs away from that 700 figure. I mean, you've got uh, Bonds, questionable. I think Bonds hit about 400 clean and then the rest of them were Yeah, steroid-assisted. Which, when you look at
1: Bonds, you sit there and say, then, if you hit 400 clean and then you hit the rest, but you're taking steroids, how can you consider that as part of the chase when you cheated at your job, when you went out there and didn't do what was expected of you?
0: Yeah, Bonds' number is tainted, uh, and and he's still not in the Hall of Fame as a result.
1: I remember Uh, back in the days... Aaron and
0: Ruth were legit. I mean, Aaron and Ruth... uh, I mean, Ruth did things to hurt his... uh, (laughs) You know, Ruth ate a lot of hot dogs and drank a lot of beer. That that is in performance enhancing. You know, and uh, Aaron, of course, was just such a consistent hitter through the years. I remember when we were... A lot of years of his.
1: I remember when we were back on FM radio, Andy, and the Mitchell Report broke, and we were totally against these players going out there and cheating, and I remember all of the calls we were getting where people were just killing us about our stance and telling us that them taking steroids really didn't tarnish the sport, or or them taking steroids shouldn't hamper a record that they went out there and broke because they still hit the ball over 400 feet, and I go back to those days... And it made for mesmerizing radio, and it made for great sports talk on a week-in, week-out basis.
0: Yeah, I remember reading the Mitchell report. and But, well, you know, everybody makes the major leagues. They all have to be super-duper players to get there and uh, to get through to minor leagues. You have to be minor league superstar just to, just to get consideration for a major league roster spot. So there's no questioning they all had the ability to – to hit the ball, but from what I've read in Jose Canseco's books was that, uh, steroids give you more staying power, uh, especially when you're older, you know, when you look at so many, uh, players in other eras who faded by the time they're 35 steroids, they you just keep getting better and better as you get older. And, uh, that, that's what the steroids have given these players who have been superstars, uh, in their 40s, although uh, nobody's accusing Adam Wainwright of being on steroids, right? He's a 40-year-old who's doing as well as he ever did. But, you know, with these uh, these hitters who build all these muscles and they get all that endurance at ages where players in the past would fade, uh, that's the crux of the uh, argument against steroids uh, as far as I see it.
1: So the New York Mets were in a must-win situation tonight and they get that key win as they defeat the Pirates in game 2 of a four-game set at Citi Field this weekend in Queens. They win 4 to 3. Taiwan Walker gets his 12th win, Keller takes he the loss, and Diaz got his 30th save. So the New York yeah, Mets you know get a I'm big win.
0: Uh... In honor of Roberto Clemente, who's been honored this week, I put together an all-star team of players who were born in Puerto Rico and uh, Diaz is on it as a closer.
1: <laughs> and by the <laughs> yeah, later way... In the
0: show, I'll unveil that uh, team. It's pretty interesting and very good team. A lot of good players were born in Puerto Rico. And there's some former and current Mets on that team.
1: Absolutely. And we also had another team celebrate Roberto Clemente Day by having an all-Latin-American starting lineup. And we'll get yeah, into Tampa. that. And much more. Guardians beat the Twins four to three. Red Sox beat the Royals. Two to one at Fenway Park in Boston. Blue Jays beat the Orioles six to three, and the Orioles playoffs hopes have sadly come to yeah, an they're end. Running out of time. Yeah, they're running out of game. They fought hard for a wild card. They definitely overachieved this season from what they were expected to do. And you got to give it up to Brandon Hyde and everything he did with that young Orioles team to make themselves front and center and fight for a wild card. But that dream seems to have fallen short. Short as they lost to the Blue Jays 6-3 tonight Nationals beat the Marlins 5-4 as the Nationals are playing for pride the rest of the way. Cubs beat the Rockies two to one. Giants and Dodgers first pitch at ten fifteen on Apple TV. So there we go with another social media streaming outlet game this evening to latch on the players to. Players
0: on teams like the Nationals, you know, they're they're playing just to prove they still belong in the major leagues. Uh, they've got a lot at stake. I mean, you, you know, it's just like players playing in preseason games. You want to show that you belong. You want to do something that. Uh, that somebody will remember and uh, that people will believe in you, you know. So those are still big games for those guys on teams that are out of contention.
1: Yeah, and, you know, uh, what does Davy Martinez's career hold? What does, you know, the franchise look like? They beat the Astros in a world series, you know, Strasburg and Scherzer were key contributors to that world series title. And ever since that world series, they've they've been in rebuild mode and they've just been at the bottom of the barrel playing tough to try and make some headway in the baseball sport.
0: Yeah. You know, a lot of people forget about Rendon. Uh, you know, he was a real good hitting third baseman for the nationals and they lost him as a free agent, uh, you know, so yeah, you lose players uh, who are tough to replace sometimes, and uh, <laughs> so that's. But the Nationals are going to hang in there. You know, I thought this too when the Orioles traded Manny Machado, and when the Nationals traded uh, Soto, it's too early in their careers to get rid of a guy like that. I know they're going to cost a lot of money, but yeah, you know, I could see letting go of a guy who's in his thirties uh, if you are uh, building and you want to get some good good value for a veteran player. But guys are 26, and they trade them away looking to build, you know, get a lot of players in return. They may not all pan out, and you're giving up a generational superstar. I mean, Manny Machado, could you see Manny Machado, what the Orioles would be if they still had him? Uh, I think they got one pitcher from the Dodgers in that deal who actually has made the team. I don't know, uh, trading guys at 26 because you can't sign them, Uh, I don't know how good that is for the sport.
1: So far through five innings, Aaron Judge has three at-bats, two runs, and two hits, but none of them are a home run as he still tries to chase the record for Roger Maris.
0: I remember in 1969, uh, Reggie Jackson was only like in his second or third year in the majors, But he had 37 homers at the All-Star game, which I I still believe is a record. But he finished up with 46 that year because nobody gave him a pitch to hit in the second half of the season. Uh, You know, and uh, especially if you're carrying a team the way Judge has been, you know, he's not going to get much to hit. But, you know, one thing about Judge, I mean, he can hit even an outside pitcher uh, like borderline pitches. He's got the power and mechanics where he just gets behind that ball and kills it, even if it's not dead over the plate, you know? The Yankees
1: uh, would be foolish, Andy, to not throw a ton of money at him and re-sign him and make him the face of this franchise long-term. And not only the face of the franchise, but give him the C on his jersey and make him captain for the New York Yankees because he has proven, especially this season, that he is a perfect fit for this team. He's the catalyst to take this team under him and really position themselves for winning success. And the Yankees need to do right here because if the father, George Steinbrenner, was alive, Judge would have had a long-term contract. He would have been captain. And the Yankee fans wouldn't be waking up every day in agony Wondering what the future holds for this team without Judge being signed to a long-term deal.
0: Yeah, he's the centerpiece of their future, and he's somebody you build around. And that's like I said with Soto and uh, with Machado. You know, instead of building around somebody who you have who's uh, proven himself as a star, you know, I don't, I just can't see letting Judge walk here uh, because. the Yankees have a good enough farm system uh, that they're going to come up with players who can help in the future. How can you replace an Aaron Judge? <laughs> I mean, really. You can't.
1: He's irreplaceable. Yeah.
0: And he's still young enough that uh, you know you can give him a long-term contract and you'll get the best out of him for most of those years. I know that players want to get security. They want a long-term contract in teams. Like in the case of A-Rod, you know, the 10-year contract that he got back in 2007, Uh, And teams kind of know, yeah, he's not going to be the same player 10 years from now, but look what he's going to do for us the next three or four years. I mean, the Phillies had that recognition with when they got Harper, giving him like a lifetime contract there, and they know that Harper will reach the point where he can't do it anymore, but they're hoping he gives them some big production, you know, when they need it right now, the next few years, and then they'll live with uh, the rest of the contract. But, you know, Judge can give them a lot of good years. He's got a lot left.
1: You're listening to the Sports Buzz with Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu. Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto. We'll go quickly to the college football scoreboard as we have two games currently in action on this Friday, September 16th. Louisville and Florida State battling it out knotted up at 21 apiece in the fourth quarter with 14.55 to play. Just started the fourth, 21 all squared there between Louisville and Florida State. And you have Wyoming taking on Air Force, 17-14. Wyoming leads Air Force, Air Force driving with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter of that game. We have much more to do. We'll round out the sport of baseball. We'll get into some college football. We'll get into some other interesting sports talk along the way as you're listening to the Sports Buzz live here on Clubhouse and available for podcast playback through Apple Spotify, and wherever else you get your daily podcast. We'll take a time out. We'll be back right after this.
3: While serving
2: in Iraq, an IED took both my legs, but it didn't take my spirit. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. I'm Greg Gatson, Army veteran. DAV
0: helps veterans and their families get the benefits they've earned.
2: Today, I'm an entrepreneur, photographer, and public speaker. With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small. My victory is just being the best that I can be. Support
0: more victories for veterans. Go
3: to DAV.org. Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended? Your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested. That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information or instant payment, email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense.
1: And welcome back to the Sports Buzz. Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu coming to you live from the great state of New Jersey as we chat to you about what's happening in the world of sports. Sports Show 1 at gmail.com. Sports Show, the number one at gmail.com, is where you can reach us regarding anything happening in the world of sports or anything you want to discuss regarding this podcast. Before the break, we were talking about baseball, and we were talking about the Yankees and their success as they inch ever closer to winning the AL East, and when you talk about the New York Yankees, Andy, you basically talk about a team that dominated the first half, lost some key games in the second half, but have found ways to win some games early on in the month of September to keep themselves at pace to win the division. And the Yankees can win the division all they want. The key question mark is, can you beat the Astros in an American League championship series? Cole has been erratic from a pitching perspective. Cortez has been very good. You know, Severino's been okay. The pitching has seemed to be better of late for the Yankees, so that should be a good sign for them as they get ready to play the final 16 games left in this 2022 season.
0: Well, the Astros, uh, they've got everything. They've got a great pitching rotation and, and a lineup that just keeps coming after you and uh, they're going to be tough to handle. I mean, they've got Verlander going to 90-16-3, and, three. <laughs> and, uh, and they, they, they've they got a good rotation there. Uh, the Yankees are going to need to pitch and play defense uh, to hold that Houston offense down because uh, they just keep scoring, and when they get a lead they add on, and they're just very tough to handle.
1: Another fun team that we've watched in the American League this year. They got off to a slow start, and then they started gaining some momentum, and any team that Terry Francona manages is always in the thick of hit. They beat the Twins tonight 4-3, to and they are inching ever closer to winning the AL Central and becoming a team that could be scary if they get in.
0: Oh, sure, yeah. Terry Francona's got, uh, got them playing good fundamental baseball. Uh, they've got some good pitching going on there at Cleveland.
1: And the White Sox are still holding out hope for the postseason, Andy, as Tony La Russa is very uncertain regarding his future. Does he return as manager? Does Weinsdorf tell him to pack it in? We know he had the medical issue with the heart, which was the rumor mill there. And, you know, 77 years old. Could the game finally be affecting his physical health and all of that, you know, so you have to question the future for Tony La Russa as the White Sox are playing tonight, and they are tied well, the with Sox Detroit in Detroit. the bottom of the 10th, 2-2. Two to two.
0: All right. Well, they've been underachieving all year, but uh, seems like the overall mediocrity of the division has kept them in it.
1: And they still have a shot to get in. They still have a oh, shot sure, to get yeah. into the postseason. Not so much on the wild card front. They're basically fighting for the division now.
0: Yeah, well, they're they're at 500, and uh, they're positioned to if if they can play a few games over 500 the rest of the way, it's only about 19 or 20 games now. Uh, they could still make it. Yeah.
1: And do you know you have Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Toronto all playing the next 17 games, battling for the four, five, and six spot for wild card positioning in Major League Baseball? How fascinating is that? That the Blue Jays, well, they've all been the Rays. Well. Yeah, Yeah, they've all been playing exceedingly well. well. But again, if you're any of these American League teams, and we know anything can happen in the postseason, look at the Braves getting to a World Series last year and then beating the Astros when they were the underdog storyline going into that series. We know that once the postseason hits, anything can happen. But right now, when you've witnessed what we've witnessed so far this season, Andy, it's really been the Astros series to lose when all is said and done for trying to get to a World Series. They've been the dominant team throughout in the American League.
0: And looking at the other teams who are trying to get into the playoffs, you know, the Orioles may be a spoiler because they've got five more games with Toronto. They've got a series of three games coming up with the White Sox, too. If they can't get in the playoffs themselves, they may keep somebody else out. So those guys have uh, some motivation to keep playing good baseball.
1: And then when you look at the National League, I mean, the Brewers are, uh, let me go to my standings a minute here. The Brewers and Yankees are still tied at five apiece. Uh, Yeah, the
0: Brewers are a couple of games behind San Diego. San Diego's sitting in that third position, and the Phillies are a couple of games ahead of San Diego for the uh, fifth position. You know, so uh, outside of the Brewers, I don't know if there's anybody else in the National League who's really got a real good shot at that third wild card.
1: Outside of any catastrophic events happening, Andy, the Yankees are going to win the East. It looks to me like...
0: They don't want to play the, Tampa in the playoffs. No, the White Sox <laughs> are
1: four back. It it looks to me, though, like Cleveland will more than likely end up coming out on top in that division the twins are five minnesota out
0: minnesota was supposed to win that division yeah.
1: yeah they've underachieved a bit in the second half of this season the astros are gonna win the west that's a far gone oh, conclusion they're, they're,
0: and the dodgers have already won the national league and
1: you know what's crazy though the seattle mariners andy are a very young but fun team to watch they play fundamentally sound baseball and they remind me a lot of the 2015 Royals that the Mets played sure. in the World Keeps Series the they remind me yeah, a they... lot of the Royals from 2015
0: Seattle went to City Field earlier this season when the Mets were hot and I believe Seattle was the first team this season to win a series from the Mets yeah, yes the Mets they were started out winning for a while and then Seattle went there and beat them two out of three and looked pretty good doing it too yeah, so
1: that's the way it looks like it's shaping out in the American League. And then the wild card in the American League, as we said, it's the Blue Jays, the Mariners, and the Rays all vying for seeding in the yeah, American I League think wild they, card.
0: They are, they are going to be the three uh, wild cards. It's just
1: where they are, are they going, going to end true. up? One's going to be the four, one's going to be the five, one's going to be the six.
0: Yeah. The American League Central is just going to send their division winner. I don't see them getting any wild cards.
1: And right now you have the Braves, Phillies, Padres, and Brewers, four teams battling for three spots there, which is going to be a very fascinating storyline the remainder of this season.
0: Well, the Brewers have some quality pitching, and uh, they'll stay in the picture. Yeah, they've got to catch one of those three teams that we talked about that are sitting in the playoffs positions right now.
1: And you know, listen, when you look at this Padres team too, they went out there, they got Soto at the trade deadline yeah, got and some studs. they got Josh Bell, but these studs haven't shown up, Andy. They haven't done nothing since they've be- come to the Padres. Yeah,
0: Machado, Machado is still carrying that team basically. They do have Yu Darvish on the mound and they've got some good pitchers there. They will be a tough team to play in the uh playoffs. You know, it's funny, uh Soto and uh Soto may wake up in the playoffs and get a big hit. I mean, I remember Soto was on fire when the Nationals won the World Series. Speaking
1: Speaking of Machado, he leads the team. He's got a .297 batting average, 28 home runs, 90 RBIs, an on-base percentage of 366, and he's got 152 hits. So he has been the catalyst to the Padre offense in the 2022 season thus far. And if they get into yeah, the Machado, postseason, he'll be a big reason why. And in the yeah, 35...
0: it's a lot of doubles, too. Yeah, he's been a doubles hitter. Uh, he had 51 doubles one year.
1: <laughs> in the 35 games that Juan Soto has played as a Padre, he's got 22 runs twenty four hits, three doubles, one triple, three home runs, seven runs batted in, so those are decent numbers, but they're not eye dropping numbers they're not yeah. numbers where you're going to go, Whoa, he was a great pickup at the trade deadline
0: but he still has some games where he may make an impact. you yeah, know that's the thing about baseball. sometimes the most dangerous hitters are the guys who haven't had a hit for a while and
1: and then you look at Josh uh, yeah, Bell. they're
0: better than what they've been, yeah.
1: Then you look at Josh Bell. He's got 38 games played in a Padre uniform, 21 runs, 28 hits, five doubles, three home runs, 11 runs batted in. He has a two oh four batting average.
0: Not doing well, yeah. <laughs>
1: no, and that could come back and haunt the Padres in the postseason when they need key hits from these big stars and they can't go out there and get them. So that's what it looks like for the San Diego Padres, Andy. And then let me just look at one other thing before San we San
0: Francisco's nine games behind them, so San Francisco is not going to make up. A... they in a team that won 107 last year, and they've fallen out of the race this year.
1: Yeah, they really have. And, you know, Andy, it is fascinating what this Dodgers team does year in and year out. I mean,
0: Are they something else or
1: 44 <laughs> losses... 98 wins, they go out in the offseason and they get the big splash signing with Freddie Freeman and Freeman catapults a team that already has Turner and Betts and a ton of stars in that lineup. It's more about the Dodgers offense when you look at this team than it is about their pitching. It really is.
0: And They've got two Turners over there. And the one that was with the Mets is about 37 years old now, and he's still producing. Boy, the Mets uh, probably regret letting him get away. But I guess he wasn't all that distinguished uh, with the Mets, and he's uh, made the most of his opportunity when when he went to the Dodgers.
1: It looks like we're going to be in for some fascinating storylines with the remainder of uh, this baseball season as, you know, We pretty much have two and a half weeks left, Andy, before we get ready for postseason play as the season quickly starts fading away on the hardcore baseball fan.
0: One thing uh, I wanted to do tonight, because baseball is certainly a great nostalgia sport as well, and uh, I put together this all-time list. It's a starting lineup, basically, of players born in Puerto Rico, and what an amazing lineup this is. Uh, We have an outfield from left to right of Orlando Cepeda, Carlos Beltran, and Roberto Clemente. And uh, in the infield, we have third base Carlos Baerga. Remember him? Yes, I do. Shortstop, Francisco Lindor. Second baseman, Roberto Alomar. First base, Carlos Delgado. Catcher, Yadier Molina. And then for the pitcher, I have a guy from the 1950s, Juan Pizarro, who was on the 1957 Milwaukee Braves, who are world championships. And uh, in relief, we have Willie Hernandez, who was the 1984 most valuable player of the American League with the Detroit Tigers, pitching out of the bullpen. And I've got good old Edwin Diaz there as a the closer. So that's quite an impressive uh, list of players born in Puerto Rico. I think you could stack that all-star lineup up with uh, a lot of teams, and they would do very well. You could
1: put them up against the Astros, and they'd probably win a series, Andy.
0: Yeah, if you had all these guys in their prime, yeah.
1: And by the way, speaking of uh, baseball um, nostalgia, what about the Tampa Bay Rays, who used an all-Latin American starting lineup for Roberto Clemente to honor him and what he has done for the sport, all nine race starters as well as base coaches Chris Preto and Rodley Linares wore number 21 to honor Clemente. The players posed for a photo on the field after the game. Diaz said he hoped to put his jersey and a lineup card in a frame to remember the historic day. Rays manager Kevin Cash said the lineup was based on the batters he wanted to face against Toronto right-handed pitcher Kevin Gaussman.
0: Yeah, Kevin Gossman, a former Oriole who uh, wasn't too good at the Orioles, but he's been terrific ever since. You know what? Uh, That reminds me of the 1971 Pittsburgh Pirates on September 1st against the Phillies. were the first team to start an all-black lineup, all-African-American lineup. And the funny thing is, nobody even noticed, and they didn't call any attention to it, Somebody noticed, like after the game, in the post-game interview said, you know what, you guys started an all-black lineup today. They were in a pennant race. I mean, the Pirates ended up winning the World Series in 71. And uh, the manager said, well, Richie Hebner, who was the normal third baseman, uh, you know, needed a couple of days off with a muscle pull. And so that was the reason he had the all-black starting lineup. But nobody called any attention to it until after the game that, hey, guess what the Pirates did tonight? And that's the way it should be. But, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, that's the last time I remember ever seeing it. All uh, African-American, well, including Calamante, who was from Puerto Rico but still was dark-skinned. But uh, that lineup of the Pirates, uh, that was kind of a revelation that they were the first team. Somebody actually went back through the books and looked it up. Uh, nobody ever had an all-black starting lineup before in baseball game. And that was a team independent race.
1: 5-5, Yankees-Brewers, top of the sixth inning, Andy. Still tied 5-5.
0: Those Brewers are hanging in, yeah.
1: Yes, they cool. are.
0: Well, that's baseball, you know. They say in baseball if you, uh, there's a 30-year games that it's just your day. There's a 30-year games that's just not your day. And it's that 30-year games that can go either way that determine where you finish in the standings. And that's true of all the teams. You know, your are finishing the standings. Depends on how you do in those cliffhangers.
1: And then you have the Reds beating the Cardinals 5-4 to four in the top of the 7th, which the Cardinals need to continue to win to try and salvage the NL Central.
0: Yeah, they want to hold on to that for sure, yeah. But, uh, you yeah, know, Milwaukee's eight games behind the Cardinals. So I don't think the Cardinals have too much to worry about. But, yeah, you do want to wrap things up, you know, just like the Mets. Uh, Mets were a while ago were like cruising to a, like a 105-win season, but now now they're just trying to pull it together to get to the finish line.
1: Any last-second thoughts on baseball, Andy, before we take a break and switch gears?
0: There's a lot going on. I think uh, we've looked at all of it. Yeah, now there's Goldsmith going for the Triple Crown. But, yeah, a lot going on. Uh, you know that um, – Yadier Molina and uh, their 40-year-old pitcher, Adam Wainwright, uh, they set a record for the most games between a pitcher and catcher uh, as a battery. They broke a record for most games by uh, a pitcher and catcher uh, pitching to each other there. Uh, I don't know if you caught that on. on I
1: did. The of, I did yeah. see that. And you know what? Listen, this is going to be a fun time for baseball. There's many storylines. Judge going up against Maris for the home run record, the 700 home runs for Albert Pujols, him trying to chase that record. You know, who's going to be the MVPs for your respective league? Who's going to be the Cy Young in each respective league? So there's a lot to hone in here on the sport of baseball baseball as we get ready to close out the season
0: the national league hasn't had a triple crown winner in our lifetimes you know there haven't been that many of them anyway but the ones that we've had in the last uh half century have been in the american league
1: the yankees brought in Garman. he is pitching in the game now Two strikeouts. He's pitched one inning already in the bottom of the sixth as the Yankees and Brewers are all tied up at 5-5. We will keep tabs on that game. Reds lead the Cardinals 5-4 in the middle of the seventh. Angels are leading the Mariners four to three in the top of the fourth in what has been a very, very, very bad year for the Angels, Andy. Joe Madden was fired. The team never seemed to get on a winning track, and they have definitely, definitely, definitely underachieved in the AL West. And you could see some household changes. Two
0: superstar players. They have two superstar players. And you would have to to think, too,
1: how much longer is Mike Trout really going to want to continue to play for this team? I mean, since the Mike Socha era ended with this Angels franchise, there hasn't been a ton of winning success. And every year you expect Trout to be the catalyst for this team. And he goes out there and he has some good months, but they can never find a way to get over the hump. They just can never find a way to bounce back and get over the hump and play some it, significant, it meaningful whole, baseball.
0: Yeah, it takes a whole team. There's a team that has a couple of super galactic stars, and uh, yet you know, they can't win because they don't have a, a balanced uh, team.
1: Well, why don't we take a break? You're listening to the Sports Buzz with Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu. We're going to step aside for a break. We'll come back, and we'll give you more sports banter right after these messages.
2: Hi, I'm Fawad Reves. I'm a home builder, and I have a question for all of you out there who are building your dream home. Are you making plans so your home will have healthier indoor air? It's an important question because there's a deadly invisible radioactive gas that can seep into homes from underground. It's radon gas, and when you breathe it in, it can cause lung cancer. Among non-smokers, radon is the number one cause of lung cancer. The good news is that it's simple to build a home, so radon is not a problem. Building your home radon-resistant is a good, inexpensive way to stop radon from entering your home. Any builder can do it. So protect your family. Talk to your builder. Tell them you want a healthier, safer dream house. You'll have better dreams. Learn more. Visit the EPA at epa.gov radon. That's epa.gov radon. This public service announcement is brought to you by the EPA, who does not endorse this particular builder or any other commercial enterprise.
1: And welcome back to the Sports Buzz, Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu coming to you live as we stream this very broadcast on Clubhouse, a radio program that aired from 2006 to 2010 on 91.9 WNTI-FM in Hackettstown, a powerhouse radio station with a top-rated show and a very successful sports program for the four years we brought it to the airwaves on FM. Radio. So after 13 years, I decided to give Andy a phone call and said, Let's get this puppy back on the air and let's bring it to Clubhouse and make it available for playback listening as a podcast through Apple, Google, or Spotify and wherever you go and get your daily audio podcast from and as we continue this sports talk program we had a huge tennis giant two weeks ago a goat for the woman's side and Serena Williams announced her retirement and two weeks later Andy the 20-time Grand Slam champion will finish his career playing the Labor Cup as his final tennis event as Roger Federer announced his retirement from the sport of tennis.
0: Yeah, another icon uh, walking off into the sunset. There's young talent uh, waiting to emerge, and uh, we'll soon have another one who is uh, of that ilk <laughs> emerge from the throng.
1: From ESPN.com, his 20 Grand Slam titles ranked third all-time among men's players behind only contemporaries Nadal, with 22, and Djokovic with 21. Federer said he intends to keep playing tennis, but just not in grand slams or... On the tour, he had not played a competitive match since reaching the quarterfinals at Wimbledon in 2021 as the COVID pandemic sidelined him for a while and announced in mid-August that he had undergone another knee surgery also. But he had appeared at an event marking the 100th anniversary of center court at the All England Club in July and said he hoped to come back to play there one more time. This is a bittersweet decision because I'll miss everything this tour has given me, Federer said. But at the same time, there is so much to celebrate. I consider myself one of the most fortunate people on earth. I was given a special talent to play tennis and I did it at a level that I never imagined for much longer than I ever thought possible a player that played against him and was very competitive, Rafael Nadal tweeted, Dear Roger, my friend and rival, I wish this day would have never come. It's a sad day for me personally and for sports around the world. It's been a pleasure but also an honor and privilege to share all these years with you, living so many amazing moments on and off the court. That was Rafael Nadal on the retirement of Roger Federer. Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, and Murray are set to play together for the first time when they compete September 23rd through 25th as part of the Team Europe at the Lever Cup in London, and that'll be the last time we see Federer play in a big-time tennis event. Andy?
0: Yeah, I always liked uh, Andy Murray. He's uh, he's one of the top players, too. Tennis used to really be fun when we had like Jimmy Connors and uh, John McEnroe, who are were- Kind of like psycho out there, <laughs> they really wore their emotions on their sleeve and uh and they played hard. Then you had a cool customer like Bjorn Borg who uh you know was was very calm and relaxed out there and yet also equally effective. You had that contrast in personality sometimes there, but uh you yeah, know it was, it was fun in those days too. yeah, it kind of like to see uh an American uh, rise up and become uh, you know best in the world again.
1: Yeah, but a lot of these big names leaving the sport will definitely not keep as many people in tune as they used to be because these big names are what drew the eyes to the television
0: sets. Yeah, for a while it's just going to be the real hardcore tennis fan. And they are out there. I've talked to plenty of people who, they stay up all night when the Australian Open is going on because of the uh, time difference, you know. They're playing matches like 3 or 4 in the morning and I know people who've stayed up and watched that stuff. And... uh You know, I guess it's going to be up to the hardcore uh, fans to keep it going. But it will keep going. It really is a beautiful athletic game. It'll find its uh, next uh, superstars.
1: So now, Andy, Nebraska fires their head coach, Frost. Notre Dame loses in what was a huge upset by We Are Marshall. Marshall,
0: yeah, I saw that. That game was on NBC. That was, that was a shocker, all right.
1: And when you look at college football, Andy, I mean, Wisconsin lost to Washington State 17-14. And I watched a lot of that game because I've become a Wisconsin Badger fan because my niece now attends Wisconsin University.
0: Yeah, I'd be a badger to her about it. <laughs>
1: In high school, I was a Badger. For the high school team I played for, we were the Badgers, and now she's a Wisconsin Badger. So
0: That's cool. Yeah, I think uh, the big game uh, coming up on uh, Saturday, we've got Penn State and Auburn, and a couple other interesting ones. We've got Nebraska, Oklahoma. Now that, back in the day, back in like the 1970s, that was a big game. A couple of times they played each other, they were number one and number two. Uh, when they are both in the Big 8 Conference and uh, they played every year. Nebraska-Oklahoma is like a nostalgic old matchup there.
1: You got number one seeded Georgia taking on South Carolina. Georgia should win that game handedly. That's on ESPN. Michigan taking on UConn. That's a 12 noon kickoff tomorrow afternoon. Michigan's
0: a 47 point favorite.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, these college spreads, Andy, some of these spreads are just crazy.
0: Well, you know, it should be a good game. Uh, Syracuse and Purdue, there's a chance for Syracuse to really establish itself against the Big Ten team. And Michigan State-Washington should be a real good game. I guess it's going back to the Pac-10 now. Yeah, you got... Against the Big Ten, which you got, is going up to 16 teams. Uh, talk about your bad math. You Michigan got t- State and Washington. You got two
1: ranked teams, Miami taking on Texas A&M tomorrow night at 9 o'clock.
0: Yeah, well, Miami's back. You know, they used to also compete for national championships. And, uh, you know, when Jimmy Johnson was there, they they had some top-ranked teams. So uh, Miami's uh, resurfaced again as a considerable power in the college football landscape. Michigan State will play
1: Washington. Washington. The 2-0 Spartans. The Tennessee Volunteers will take on the Akron Zips in Tennessee.
0: Tennessee's a 47-point favorite there.
1: And then you got Ohio State taking on Toledo. Ohio State ranked number three. And you know what, Andy? Right now, I got to tell you, the most impressive team I've seen thus far in the early part of this college season has been Georgia. They just have everything. They got defense. They got offense. They got special teams. They got tough physical guys. They got tall guys. They got big receivers. They got a strong tight end. Their quarterback has been unbelievably good over the last two weeks. And really, Stetson Bennett is one of these guys who's going to be a big-time draft pick when he gets ready to enter the NFL.
0: Well, they've got that whole team back that won the national championship last year. So they got mojo and swagger and confidence and all that going for them, too.
1: Has Notre Dame surprised you so far this season?
0: Well, losing to Marshall, I didn't see that coming. Uh, and uh, they're definitely an underdog against Ohio State. They stayed in the game better than I thought they would. But uh, yeah, if you're Notre Dame, you're not supposed to lose to the Marshalls of the world.
1: No, you're not. And
0: then you have a team like. thundering herd.
1: And then you have a team like Nebraska, who's one and two. They fire their head coach. You have to wonder if that now is going to give them momentum to go out there and play a great game against Oklahoma and try and change the pace for their season the rest of the way. Well, you know,
0: Nebraska's had a
1: tough time in
0: the Big Ten. Uh, you know, they came over uh, just before Rutgers and Maryland did. Well, Penn State made it the Big Eleven, and then Nebraska made it the Big Twelve, and then Rutgers made it the Big Thirteen or Fourteen. But they they still call themselves the Big Ten. With and you've noticed the logo B I G. They make the I G look like a ten, you know. But it's a G, you know. All those. They don't want to get rid of the old traditional name Big Ten, but. Uh, Yeah, Nebraska's had a tough time in the Big Ten. I remember 1994, I wish they had been in the Big Ten then. If you remember, that was the year that they and Penn State both went undefeated. But Penn State was committed to the Rose Bowl where they played Oregon, and uh, Nebraska played Miami in the Orange Bowl. And Here they were, one and two, both undefeated, and they didn't even play each other. That was before we had National... Championship playoffs and all that stuff. Speaking uh, that of a, a shame.
1: Speaking of another local college team, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and Greg Schiano are two and O as they get ready to kick off Week Three against the Temple Owls tomorrow afternoon at two o'clock. As Rutgers looks to go to three and O in this young season.
0: Yeah, Rutgers is I think a couple of touchdown favorite. Although uh, Temple's a tough. Uh, they, they have tough teams. They don't necessarily get the best talent in the country, but they uh they certainly play hard and uh they usually have some talented people but where they where they don't match up with like the big ten teams is the size of the interior lines. temple's always had good running backs receivers quarterbacks but uh you know you gotta have some big boys on the team. <laughs>
1: And they got a very tough schedule coming up, Rutgers. After this Temple game, they play Iowa at home. Then they go to Ohio State. Then Nebraska at home. Indiana at home. Then at Minnesota. Then they take on Michigan at Michigan State. Penn State at home. And then they finish out with Maryland, the Terrapins.
0: Yeah, that's a tough schedule to be sure. That's the Big Ten. The, the, it's uh, the Big Ten in the Southeast Conference. or are certainly the two powerhouse conferences of college football these days
1: but a lot of our local teams Andy are doing well you have Syracuse at 2 and 0 you got Rutgers at 2 and 0 you got Penn State at 2 and 0 you have a lot of our locals here doing well in the early part of this college football season
0: yeah we certainly do and uh, we wish them the best because uh, college football can be a lot of fun i'm just waiting for the day when Rutgers plays in the Rose Bowl uh, that would be
1: pretty cool. I'll tell you what, though, Andy, throughout the years since Greg Schiano's taken over there, they've definitely become a much more interesting watch week in and week out when it comes to the sport of college football. And so has the basketball program, too. Peichel mm-hmm. has put that basketball team on the map, and they are going to contend yeah. year in and year out, especially in the NCAA tournament. They're a fun team to watch.
0: Yeah, now Rutgers, uh, going back to the 1970s, they had a Final Four team. And uh, I remember uh, a game when they beat Larry Bird in the Indiana State Sycamores. And uh, Rutgers was uh, up there uh, in the 70s. But then, you know, they kind of went on the downslide. And, uh, but getting into the Big Ten has really revived that program. Well, for one thing, uh, in New Jersey, you've got to keep the New Jersey kids home. New Jersey's always had a problem in football as well uh, with losing top athletes to out of state schools. If Rutgers can keep these kids home, they could play with anybody.
1: Speaking of college football, we have two games currently in action tonight as Wyoming defeated Air Force 17 14 and got a three point victory. And we have a classic duel right now in Louisville as it's nip and tuck back and forth. 440 to play in the fourth, and Florida State leads Louisville 35 31. And they're driving with the football with a first and 10 at their own 45 yard line.
0: All right. So, Louisville, the uh, alma mater of Lamar Jackson and Johnny Unitas and Teddy Bridgewater. They've had some quarterbacks come out of that program.
1: Milwaukee and the Yankees are still all tied up at 5-5 in the bottom of the sixth. The top of the ninth, it's Houston beating Oakland 5-0. St. Louis is now on top of Cincinnati by one run, 6-5. to The L.A. Angels are beating the Mariners 4-3 to as the Mariners try to continue their hold on a wild-card spot in the American League, and the Dodgers are out to an early 1-0 lead as they go to the fourth against the San Francisco Giants in Northern California. Mets beat the Pirates in a must-win 4-3 tonight, and the Orioles lost to the Blue Jays 6-3, and the Braves beat the Phillies 7 to 2 so the Philadelphia oh. Phillies lose to the Atlanta Braves 7 to 2
0: in so the bullpen had a big hiccup there <laughs>
1: yes Dominguez took the loss and uh Chavez got the win out of the Braves bullpen and Kyle's well,
0: that's one of my favorite baseball names, Sir Anthony Dominguez.
1: Dominguez, yeah. Imagine yeah, having to be Sir a broadcaster, Anthony,
0: King. having a name like that. Imagine
1: having to be in the radio booth and say that name close to 140 times when he appears yeah, in a right. game.
0: Well, you know what? Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he made some news this week. He hit his 100th career home run, and he's only 23 years old. Now, that was a nice milestone there with uh, the portent of lots of big things to come.
1: Harper had four at bats, two strikeouts tonight. He still has a 301 average, so. I wouldn't worry too much that he didn't have a great night at the plate. Schwarber, who's been a huge pickup for the Phillies and has been a great offensive catalyst at uh, Citizens Bank Park. Park. He has four at-bats, one run, one hit. He hit a home run tonight, so Schwarber continues his offensive magic. Boom, uh, he had a walk tonight with three at-bats and one strikeout, so... The Phillies' bats were silenced against Atlanta as they could only muster up two runs in what was a 7-2 defeat to the Atlanta Braves, who try to keep pace and won't go away from the New York Mets as that division just continues to stay close as we dwindle down in this MLB season. And the Mets fans go to bed every night frantic because the Braves just refuse to lose baseball games, Andy.
0: Yeah, by the way, yeah, that Molina and Wainwright record, that's 325 starts. Uh, That's a lot of games uh, for a pitcher. Made their first appearance together in April of 2007. Yeah, very interesting. The thing is, pitcher and catcher are tough tough positions to uh, to last. You know, they take so much wear and tear uh, that you get to age 40 and the shape that they're in, uh, that's pretty remarkable.
1: So, Andy, we're going to step aside for a break, and when we come back, we'll give our Week 2 NFL picks, and we'll end this Sports Buzz program as we come to you live on Clubhouse and we make it available for podcast playback through Apple, Google, and Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll step aside for a break. We'll be back right after these messages.
3: Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with a crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information or instant payment, email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled, hang up, ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa. Gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Hi, I'm Fouad Rivera. I'm a home builder,
2: and I have a question for all of you out there who are building your dream home. Are you making plans so your home will have healthier indoor air? It's an important question because there's a deadly, invisible radioactive gas that can seep into homes from underground. It's radon gas, and when you breathe it in, it can cause lung cancer. Among non-smokers, radon is the number one cause of lung cancer. The good news is that it's simple to build a home, so radon is not a problem. Building your home radon-resistant is a good, inexpensive way to stop radon from entering your home. Any builder can do it. So protect your family. Talk to your builder. Tell them you want a healthier, safer dream house. You'll have better dreams. Learn more. Visit the EPA at epa.gov radon. That's epa.gov radon. This public service announcement is brought to you by the EPA, who does not endorse this particular builder or any other commercial enterprise.
1: And welcome back to the Sports Buzz. Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu live with you from the great state of New Jersey, the Garden State, as we chat to you about what's happening in the world of sports as we live stream this broadcast that used to air on FM radio and we bring it to the digital space of Clubhouse and we also make it available for podcast playback. Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fans. Sports Buzz show, the number one at gmail.com. Show, the number one at gmail.com is where I can be reached for anything that's on your mind. If you don't want to join us and call in on Clubhouse and you're a little bit shy about going on the air, you can do us a service and send us an email and we'll get back to you as quickly as we can, whether it's about anything happening in the world of sports or about anything you want to discuss about this podcast or whatever may be on your mind. So last week we debuted our fun competition that we do year in and year out. And that is the NFL picks and, If you believe it, Andy, I went 2-1 last week. My one game ended in a tie between the Colts and the Texans, so I have to make up that game at another time this season because we're picking four games. So I went to 2-1, and and you went to 2-2. You had the Eagles who won. 38-35, 3835 The Titans lost to the Giants 21-20. You had the Ravens over the Jets, they won 24-9 and the Panthers lost 26-24. So you had
0: lost a couple of cliffhangers. uh, Yes, you did. Decided right at the end there.
1: I had the Saints. They ended up doing their due diligence by winning twenty-seven to twenty-six. The Colts ended up in a tie with the Texans. The Chiefs won forty-four to twenty-one over the Cardinals and the Broncos and Seattle in what was a fantastic game. And before we get to these picks, Andy, bringing up that game quickly. You know, listen. I've always told you how you have to be an experienced person in whatever profession you set out to do in your career long term. And I always told you how experience matters and veteran leadership matters. And you would think that when you get the job as a head coach in the National Football League, that you would have a sense of how to run a football game and manage the game and the players on the field for the 60 minutes that they go out there and compete. And Nathaniel Hackett left every not only Bronco fan, but NFL fan, mind-boggled by his decision-making at the end of that football game. How do you not let Russell Wilson, your Hall of Fame quarterback, a guy who you've invested a ton of money in, in bringing over to Denver to put this team back on the map in a tough AFL, see western division how do you not let him throw the football in that situation instead you go out there and you ask your field goal kicker to go out and hit a 64 yard field goal to win the game i mean when you talk about inexperience factor that proved dividend in this football game. And this is why when you interview these candidates for head coaching positions, you need to make sure that they're able to coach in every phase of the game. You can't look at numbers of what Nathaniel Hackett did to make Aaron Rodgers a premier quarterback in the league as an offensive coordinator and think that he's going to be able to, Come to Denver with more responsibilities on his plate, coaching every phase of the game, defense, offense, and special teams, and think that it's all going to go well. I don't understand how Nathaniel Hackett, who has been an offensive guru in this league now can go out there in his debut as head coach for the Denver Broncos and allow McManus to kick a 64-yard field goal. When you have your quarterback right there, you had a fourth and five with Russell Wilson. Your quarterback was right there. Give him the ball and let him try and get you into field goal positioning to win the game. That's all you needed to do.
0: They had better odds uh, letting Russell Wilson make a play than you did of making a 65-yard field goal. But, Andy, how do
1: you justify that? And then Wilson backs up the coach in the postgame, and Buck and Aikman are sitting there. They're more worried about, uh, you
0: you know, the way the broadcast
1: went than they are about the stupidity of Nathaniel Hackett.
0: Wilson just wanted to take a hit for team unity, I suppose. Uh, I'm sure he couldn't have been happy.
1: Well, this leaves a scar, Andy, on this Denver franchise because when you're playing a team, especially a Seahawks team, and the Seahawks aren't a great team this year, but Geno Smith had a good game. Pete Carroll had the team ready. The 12th man proved dividend in this game with that fan base in Seattle. You know, Pete Carroll had yeah, Pete this team is
0: energized. A guy. He, he is he's been able to pull a lot of wins out of the fire over the years. He has and and, he, I, and I'm
1: not going to count them out against the 49ers either. He's a very good coach. He's a talented head coach. We know the blunder in the Super Bowl against New England that could cost him the Hall of Fame and throwing it instead of yeah, running it with Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. We get all of yeah. that. But let me tell you this much. Nathaniel Hackett should have been embarrassed to board that plane and head back to Denver, losing that football game the way he did for the Denver Broncos. There is no justification behind any of that decision-making in the final minutes of this football game. You had the game in your grips. You had a better chance at getting it on fourth and five than you did kicking a 64-yard field goal. Yeah.
0: What was he thinking? (laughs)
1: but Andy if you're the Bronco ownership what are you saying to yourself after watching that game
0: Uh, it's funny you know they say to err is human to forgive divine but I would certainly uh, tell that guy what are you doing you know I guess uh, it once the season starts, I don't know what purpose there really is in uh, getting rid of a head coach because you know, you're starting from scratch after you've already had your camp and your preseason and all that. And you've got a system in place. But um, I tell you, if he uh, does not do something big this year in terms of making a playoff run or getting the Super Bowl, he probably will not be coaching the Denver Broncos next year.
1: A lot of these GMs and owners, Andy, look at what they do as an offensive guru or defensive guru with former teams where they come from, a la Hackett from the Packers and all the success he had with Rodgers, and they think that because they're a quarterback's coach, that they have a great offensive system, that they could just come to another team Give them the title of head coach and think that it's all just going to jive the way it did in their former years as a coordinator for the other team they were at prior to joining the team as head coach. You know, to me, if you haven't had the Bose headset on and if you haven't been a head coach... You need to garner that experience and earn that to make yourself a big name to get to that point in your career. And to me, if you don't have that experience, you shouldn't have the Bose headset on manning all three phases of a football game. So why don't we do it, Andy? Why don't we get ready for our picks for week two in the National Football League?
0: Play
1: that music. Okay, and here we go. Game number one this week... The Washington Commanders will play the Detroit Lions. Washington had a big win against the Jacksonville Jaguars last week, 28-22, Went had four touchdowns. The Commanders had to come from behind to win the football game, and the Detroit Lions played the Philadelphia Eagles. They showed you a lot of guts, they showed you a lot of grit, and they showed you that they're all in for their head coach in Dan Campbell. And when you look at this game, man, I think this game is going to be about what the Lions can do in the air with the air attack and the commanders being able to solve it on the defensive side. And for some reason, I just feel the Lions are going to win this game. They, They played well last week. I know they didn't win, but they did play well last week. They were impressive. You saw all the hard knock episodes with them in the preseason and offseason, and watching those hard knock episodes make you really want to root for the Lions hard week in and week out with the coaching staff that they have in place there. So I think the Lions are going to find a way to win this game and get their first win in this young season, 23-14. Game number two, I'm riding high on them this week. They're coming off of that big win against the Titans, 21 20. Normally, I try to avoid going with the Giants early in the season, but you know what? I really feel like they play well in their home openers, and if they're going to go out there and impress the fans, they're going to do it in week two. You saw the great ground game of Saquon Barkley last week. You saw him put the team on his shoulders and lead them to victory with the gutsy call also by Brian Dable going for the two-point conversion. I think the Giants are going to win this game 31-17 over the Carolina Panthers. Game number three, Dallas and Dak Prescott Dak Prescott had a big injury in the fourth quarter against the Buccaneers last week. He left that game bewildered as a Cowboy fan. They put up three points total offensively in the game. They did not look good. The offense was anemic. The defense couldn't solve Tom Brady. There's a lot of question marks surrounding this Cowboys team. Are they a big team? Yes, they are when Dak Prescott's running it. I don't know how much of a big team they're going to be with the leadership of Cooper Cup. And I do think the Bengals are going to rebound. The Bengals are coming off of a frustrating overtime loss to a Pittsburgh Steeler team that went back and forth. All game long for 60 minutes, battled it out, and then had to play an extra quarter to get a winner, and Pittsburgh ended up outlasting them 23-20. But listen, the Bengals have all the pieces in place. You know Burrow's going to make some big plays. You know the defense is going to sure itself up a little bit. I really think the Bengals bounce back this week. I think they beat the Cowboys 27-17, game number three. And game number four... They were a very upsetting um, team to watch last week. They didn't show up. Minnesota outplayed them in every phase of the game. Aaron Rodgers couldn't get the job done. You know, and the Bears went out there and they beat a tough Niners team. Fields had 121 yards in the air. The Bears beat the Niners 19-10. Anyway, I think the Packers bounce back and win their home opener at Lambeau. I think Rodgers has a big game, and I think you'll see the offense wake up. Packers 37, Bears 17, game number four. So here are my picks to recap. Lions over the Commanders, 23-14, game number one. Giants over the Panthers, 31-17, game number two. Bengals over the Cowboys, 27-17, game number three. And last but not least, I got the Packers winning at home over their rival, the Chicago Bears, 37-17. Andy.
0: All right. We have uh, the Cleveland Browns hosting the uh, struggle in New York Jets, and I would take the Cleveland Browns to win that one 27-14. And gotta like those buffalo bills uh, they're playing a tennessee titans team that's down from losing their home opener and buffalo's rolling on all cylinders i'll take buffalo to win that one 40 to 21 uh as an eagles fan i would like to say the eagles are going to pound the minnesota vikings in their home opener on sunday but my gut is not telling me that uh, uh, the Eagles uh, gave up a lot of points to Detroit last week and just barely hung on for a win, and they have a quarterback who, who always runs when he doesn't see the first option open. They've still got some, some things to work on over there in Philadelphia. Meanwhile, Minnesota's coming off of a great performance in their opener. I'll go with Minnesota 35-27 to 27 in that one. And so for game number four, I've got uh, Las Vegas, Playing the Arizona Cardinals, uh, Las Vegas is certainly on an upswing. Uh, they lost their first game, but it was 24-19, to 19, and uh, they look uh, like they're going to be, especially at home, a very tough team to beat. So I'll take the Las Vegas Raiders over the Arizona, I was going to say Diamondbacks, but it's the Cardinals, <laughs> over the Arizona Cardinals, now about 28-24. to 24. So to recap my picks, I've got Cleveland over the Jets 27-14, Buffalo over the Tennessee Titans 40-21. I wouldn't have thought that the Titans would be 0-2, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. I've got Minnesota over my beloved Philadelphia Eagles 35-27, and the Las Vegas Raiders over the... Arizona Cardinals, twenty eight twenty four. I don't know how many Cardinals actually live in Arizona. You know, that's a <laughs> transplant. You know, I'm sure they have a lot of them in Missouri. But Arizona out there in the desert, okay, well, they didn't want to change the name of the team. So, okay, so there you go. And Another the, week in the books.
1: Week Put two, it in the books. Week two already, and those are the picks for week two in the NFL in a league where they play. For pay. So if you've listened to this sports program on Clubhouse, we thank you. If you've downloaded it on a podcast, we thank you for your continued support. Please spread the word about this show. Let people know who you come in contact with, that there is a digital destination for thought provoking. Hardcore sports talk that you won't find anywhere else. Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto. And I just thank everybody for coming out and listening tonight. Enjoy the baseball. Enjoy the week two of the NFL. And enjoy week three of college football. And we'll come back to the microphones next week with a lot more to talk about in what's happening in the world of sports, Andy. Any final thoughts?
0: Oh, I'd say uh, it's going to be a very interesting uh, week in the NFL because the teams that lose the openers are that uh, uh, they've got that urgency going that they they've got to nip this thing in the bud and get in the win column. Uh, So I expect a lot of very competitive and entertaining uh, NFL games. I hope I'm wrong about the Eagles, but you know, you... Can't be a homer. You gotta be objective with this kind of. And stuff. you always so, get uh, some
1: crazy games and crazy finishes in week one, and you get a lot of underdogs that come out there and win and give you the upset special in week one. We witnessed a lot of crazy games this past Sunday, but as the season progresses, you would think that a lot of these teams with a good roster will go out there and bounce back. For instance, a lot of people don't seem to think that the Patriots are going to have a good year, and I think they're going to bounce back under Bill Belichick and when all is said and done they'll probably end up in the postseason they got a tough game against Pittsburgh this weekend but knowing Bill he'll have them ready to go and he'll have this team like a fine-tuned machine and back into the winning picture
0: and how do you predict a uh, fumble that gets run back for a touchdown a pick six you know some of these things that turn these games around or a 65 yard field goal attempt when you've got a all-star quarterback who could get a first down for you.
1: I'm just amazed, but, Andy, with all the posts I see on social media and all of the people that analyze and dissect these games daily. I'm just really amazed to see how down they are on the New England Patriots. you got Bill Belichick, one of the best in the business to ever do what he does best, and that's coach a football team and can coach greatly in all phases of the game, and you really think that his team is going to go out there this season and lay an egg? He's got a quarterback in Mac Jones who's entering year number two. Mac Jones far exceeded any expectations from a starting position last year because there were games he played in last year where he looked unbelievably polished in some of those weeks last year that he played in for the Patriots as a rookie quarterback. So the idea that the Patriots are just going to be a mediocre team this year, that's tough to sell to a sports junkie like me, who's watched Bill Belichick a ton and see what he brings to the football field every week.
0: Well, the Patriots are a road favorite against Pittsburgh. Uh, You know, I looked at that game as one of my possible picks, but I'm really not sure who's going to win that game. You've got, two Super Bowl veteran uh, coaches in there. I think Pittsburgh is going to be on fire because they lost a tough game last week. But uh, I think the Patriots will make a run at the playoffs. Uh, They'll be okay. Any other final thoughts, Andy? Oh, that'll do. It's time to, as George Burns would say, say goodnight, Gracie. (laughs) And we will be back with you.
1: Same place from the state of New Jersey, same time next week, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Friday night, to give you more hard-hitting, thought-provoking sports talk. I thank you all again for taking the time out of your busy evening and busy week to be entertained by Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu. We started this broadcast off with Queen, and we will rock you, and we will end this broadcast with... We are the champions by Queen. He was Andy Loigu. I am Kevin Wolf, and this is the Sports Buzz. Until next time.